Welcome to The Crystal Pain Show, where we help you embrace your life right where you are and give you practical steps to get where you want to go. Whether you are in your car, folding laundry, cooking, cleaning, or maybe even just enjoying a cup of coffee and a few minutes of quiet, we're so glad you're joining us today. Here's your host, wife, mom of six kids, foster mom, entrepreneur, and author, Crystal Payne. Well, here we go. Welcome to another episode of The Crystal Payne Show. And today's topic is one that I never thought I would be recording an episode on. But there is a brand new show out on Amazon. I think it's called a docu-series called Shiny Happy People. That is all about IBLP, ATI, brings in a lot of the Duggar story. And... um, You might say what ATI and IBLP stands for? Yes. It hits very close to home because IBLP stands for Institute in Basic Life Principles. Um, It is a series of seminars that a man named Bill Gothard for years went around the country teaching. And then they recorded them. And then for years, those seminars would just be played in multiple places. I think once a year, a lot of cities would mm-hmm. have what they called the basic seminar, Institute and Basic Life Principles basic seminar. There was also an advanced seminar and um, just life principles to, what would you say, Jesse? I mean, I don't know how they would actually define it, define it, but seven basic life principles for success is probably, I think this is what it, it was, it was, that I was think a, success was used in the, in the, in the language. Mm-hmm. I mean, Bill Gothard used the word success a lot. He also used the word secrets a lot. And then that morphed into a homeschool curriculum. That was not just a curriculum. It was a program. If you have watched the, um, docu-series, Shiny Happy People. It explains this a lot more, but it was not only a curriculum that they really touted it as kind of all your subjects in one. They were called wisdom booklets, and you would go through a verse from the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, and you would study all you know science and history and geography and Bible and language arts all from this verse. They did, I think, recommend that you would supplement with math, but there were, they kind of, it was supposed to be an all-inclusive curriculum. So then there were also conferences along with the ATI program. Once a year in Knoxville, there was this major conference that there would be thousands, thousands of people that were in the program that would come to. And then throughout the year, there would be different smaller conferences, kind of intensive sorts of programs for teenagers and those who had graduated to be a part of. Um, I went to one when I was 15 or 16 called the Counseling Seminar. I don't really know why they called it that. It was basically a week of different principles. I remember one of the girls who spoke really recommending that all the girls, it was just a girls-only conference, would set a vow for the next four years Mm -hmm. to not pursue any relationship with a guy. Did you make that vow? I did not make that vow. 
And we'll get into that a little bit. But most of their conferences at the end of the session or at the end of the week, there would be vows that they would Mm -hmm. encourage you to make. That was huge at the basic seminar as well. And a lot of where you would sign a paper um, to make this vow and they would be pretty significant things. Mm -hmm. And and he would talk about the, Bill Gother would talk about the significance of making a vow and, and, you know, breaking that vow and, and the consequences and punishment that would come from breaking that vow. I also went to um, some various conferences on, um, they had one in Indianapolis called Sound Foundations, which was three, a three-week music program. I went to some writing programs that they had week-long writing programs in at their Oklahoma City uh, training center. I went to a mother-daughter retreat at the Dallas training center. I did something else at the Dallas training center and I can't remember exactly what it was. I also went to, um, well, I actually went through the Oak Brook College of Law, their then quote-unquote law school. I say quote-unquote because it wasn't accredited um, and it was all online but they had a paralegal program and so got my paralegal certification after I graduated through that. And so then therefore went to multiple events and conferences related to that as well. So as I look back over kind of from the ages of 13 to 21 or so, I think probably I went to around 20 conferences related to IBLP or ATI that were put on by them. And also we were in their program. And then the church that I was raised in was very immersed in the IBLP ATI program as well. And I would say that a large majority of the families either were in ATI or were heavily influenced influenced. by the ATI IBLP um, programs, principles, um, just methodology and mindset. So I say all that to say that, you know, this show was very much something that I related to. Now, I wouldn't say that every single aspect of the show would be something that I personally experienced. Um, I did not experience the abuse or something like that. I will say, though, um, I have met Bill Gothard. I actually um, had a lunch with him. It was with a group of small group of people at one of the conferences that I was at. And I witnessed at that lunch, as a 15 or 16-year-old, his interaction with the young women at our table, not me, because I was not his type. You weren't part of the chosen few. But I witnessed the people, there were two girls in our group who I would say were his type. Um, And I witnessed how he interacted with them. And I would say that I really have no qualms in saying that what they showed on the documentary and the many different girls and women who came forward to say that there was misconduct or inappropriate behavior, I do feel like that there is, based upon my personal firsthand experience, I don't feel like all those stories are being made up. I also, my older sister worked at the Indianapolis Training Center for four months. And so she experienced and kind of had a lot of firsthand knowledge of a lot of things as well. And so 
the show, um, while I didn't experience every single thing in that show, um, because of the culture we were raised in with so many families, so immersed in that culture, I did not feel like the show was far-fetched or overly dramatized Mm -hmm. or sensationalized because I have personal friends who have experienced pretty much every single thing that was shown on the show. There was only one section that Jesse, you and I were like, wait, hold up. Where'd that come out? We did not have any experience or um, context for that. They talked, there was one woman that they were interviewing and she was talking about abuse in her relationship with her spouse, which I definitely am privy to that happening in families that I personally know. Um, But then she said, she talked about, they were talking about spanking of children. And then that she kind of just, just segued into very confidently talking about, you know, and in wife spanking was the thing. I don't exactly know how she said it, but she said it, it was was like, it just and right there for, for both of us. It came very much out of left field. That is not something that I know of any family um, or any context that I have heard of that happening. Um, so I just wanted to put that out there when I'm saying that I have personal knowledge and experience um, with pretty much everything else in there. But the abuse, the um, molestation, the um, just dysfunction um, that came out of and was the fruit of that culture and that mindset very much personal friends we have walked with. Um, we have seen just the devastation of that. But I'm not doing this podcast today to come and bash Bill Gothard or IBLP or ATI. Um, I feel like all of us, if we look to our childhood, there is dysfunction. We all have baggage that we bring to the table and we all have a choice of what we do with that baggage. None of us were birthed by perfect parents. We did not, (laughs) you know, we aren't perfect parents. We are going to make mistakes. We are going to do things that are going to cause dysfunction and harm to our children as well, much as we don't want to. Mm -hmm. And, And that's the other thing that I would say is I have seen a lot of fallout from these methodologies, this, this man, this mindset, this ministry, but I truly believe that many of the families who were in this program were in it because the parents wholeheartedly wanted to follow God. They wanted to do the right thing. And they they made the choice to be part of this program out of a desire to raise godly children. And so it wasn't this, you know, I this like very abusive mindset or um really terrible reasoning for their decision. I think that, you know, I know my parents, they did it because they loved me and they wanted the best for me and my siblings. And so they saw what they had growing up and they wanted something different for us. Mm-hmm. And so um, while I disagree with many things from my upbringing, 
I can, in hindsight, appreciate the heart behind it and the desire to raise us to love the Lord. One thing that was very interesting, Jesse, that you and I caught in the very first episode that I thought was something I'd never really thought of before. They talked about this being a form of prosperity gospel. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I think of prosperity gospel, I think of different preachers that we might have heard of before who kind of preach this health and wealth gospel, which is kind of if you follow God and you, you know, do what he says, you are going to be healthy, wealthy, and wise. Like you're going to have money, you're going to have health, and, you know, kind of God's going to elevate you to this level of prosperity. But when they talked about it, I was like, I'd never thought about before how this was a form of prosperity gospel. It wasn't about health and wealth, although I will say that there were definitely some things in kind of some underpinnings of different things about health and wealth. If you kind of dig into it, like do you follow these principles and you'll be healthier or you'll be wealthier. Um, But it was more the prosperity of your children are going to be these successful men and women of God who are people of character. Like they're going to stand out in the marketplace. Um, There was a lot that was about our eyes shining, our bright countenance. If you were part of ATI, you know those phrases. Um, And it was, everything was kind of about that. That was the definition of success, being of good character. Because there were, it was all about the character qualities. There were these books that were character sketches. They had games that were about learning character qualities. And and every single wisdom booklet um, that I talked about before the curriculum was all based upon a specific character quality, like obedience or generosity or gratefulness. And you would study that character. Now, here's the thing, Jesse, I think you would agree with me that, you know, character is good. Like, we want our children to be generous and grateful. We want them to be respectful of authority. But the foundation, the underlying reason for it, the heart behind it, is what I care about the most. Right. I was just thinking about this. I think that they set character up instead of just being a framework that was more of an idol good character being the ultimate goal when good character is fruits of the spirit. Well, I feel like there was almost, you say that word idol, like the idolatry almost of this family who all your kids, and there were probably going to be a lot of them because one of them, one of the principles was that you should never ever use any kind of birth control and you should have as many children as God blesses you with, and I feel like there was almost this acclaim to the more kids you had, the more the more blessed you are. Blessed you were, and so this almost this idolatry of having this family that looked so good on the outside that your children loved God, but loved God meant that they were making good choices, that mm-hmm. they were um, having bright countenances, that they were dressing modestly, that they weren't doing anything that would be considered worldly, 
quote unquote. Um, and that would be the books you read, the music you listen to, the um, shows you watch. Well, there weren't really any shows that you would watch except for maybe like Swiss Family Robinson was allowed or the Pilgrim's Progress or the Moody Bible Science Program. I know that those different shows were allowed. And then anything that was produced by IBLP, that those were those were allowed. But so every single area of your life, there were principles, there were guidelines, there were rules from what you wore, what you ate, where you went, who you associated with, um, you know, how you did school, um, where you worked, whether um, girls, you know, went to college or not, which was, you know, girls should not go to college because that's putting them into a very dangerous position. Um, who you worked for, like if you were a young woman and you were graduated from high school, who, if you were to go out and get a job, there were very strict rules of what that should look like. Um, that a girl was always supposed to live at home or at a training center, hmm. basically, until she got married. And that a woman's role was to get married and have children and homeschool them and raise this next generation. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. If you've heard me talk at all over the last few years, you know that I went through a season where I had very severe seasonal allergies and it took me a while to figure out what was triggering it and it was debilitating. If you've ever suffered from this, I actually had my polyps got really swollen in my nose and then I got chronic rhinitis so I could not smell out of my nose. And not only that, but I would have these really awful headaches, the kind that just kept me from being able to enjoy my life. And I started going to an ENT, and one of the things that he recommended was Claritin D. And so for a time period, I took Claritin, and it was such a help to me. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. It works so well. I am a living testament to how well it works. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. So if you've ever suffered from seasonal allergies, if you can relate to kind of some of the things that I have experienced and you want some relief... I highly recommend checking out Claritin D. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Amwar makes getting dressed easy. With a clothing rental membership from Amwar, build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. 
All you have to do is take a five-minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic, personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out for new-to-use styles. Now, I mentioned on the podcast recently that I have been pregnant or breastfeeding for four and a half years, and that season of my life came to a close recently, and I was like, I forgot I can wear normal clothes again that don't need to be breastfeeding friendly or constantly changing in sizes with a postpartum body. And so now I'm left with trying to figure out, well, what do I wear? What is my style? I can't even remember. And styles have changed so much in the last few years. And so I've been having fun experimenting with different types of clothing. And I love that Amoir has allowed me to try some different styles of jeans and kind of step outside my comfort zone and figure out what I love, what works for my body type, and to not have spent money on things that I was like, "Mm, actually, this doesn't work after I wore it a few times and realized I don't really like it. And so it's been a great opportunity for me to try out some new things and help me to define my personal style. And I also love that the style quiz, the different suggestions that they gave after I took the style quiz, it was right in line with what I would want to wear. And so I have just loved this service and I would love for you to get to try it out and get a great deal. Right now, my listeners can give Amoir a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit amoir.style forward slash crystal. That is amoir.style A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash crystal to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Amoir today. Watching this series with our kids was really interesting. Um, We did not start out our marriage really with the IBLP ATI principles. That was not something that we ever raised our children. We did go to, we were talking about this. We did go to a conference early, early on, um, another basic, a basic seminar. Like, I think we went to one or two in our early, like two years of marriage, but that was it. But the underpinnings of this legalistic mindset really permeated everything. Mm -hmm. And we kind of shifted from the ATI IBLP to Doug Phillips vision forum and some of the different people that were connected with that. And, Mm -hmm. you know, one of the things that I wanted to share, you kind of started that shift before we got married. Yes, I did. And, and the reason was, is because when I was about 15 or 16, you know, I remember having that interaction with Bill Gothard and I remember being really bothered by it. And I remember at that point, I was already questioning a lot and really concerned with the different principles, the different um, vows that we were being asked to make. I didn't, I don't recall making any vow ever. I did one, I think. What was that for? Do you remember? That I was supposed to read the Bible for 15 minutes a day. Okay. I may have made something like I mean, that. But it, to me, they were so flippant. Mm-hmm. And vows are very serious. Mm-hmm. And it's unrealistic to 
put yourself in that kind of situation where everybody around you, you know, the, the, all the masses are all doing the same thing. Yes. Why aren't you going to do it then? Yes. And, and that really leads into what I was going to talk about. I feel like that this culture raised you to be a follower, mm -hmm. which is so interesting because I feel like the whole kind of context behind it was about kind of standing alone mm -hmm. and about being different than the world. And yet it really did raise you to be a follower. And, and not ask questions. And here's why. I feel like there are two basic tenets that one, one of the big things was about cheerful, immediate obedience. And this was not just Bill Gothard. I've talked about this on Instagram recently. Um, there were also some other names like Michael and Debbie Pearl, Denny Keniston, um, who really heavily influenced kind of this cheerful, immediate obedience and child training is about breaking a child's will. I don't remember Bill Gothard being so heavy handed about mm -hmm. the spanking and the discipline. He had no experience with it anyway. Well, yes, he was never married, never had children. That's a whole other aside. But this cheerful, immediate obedience, which the character quality of obedience was really big. And mm -hmm. then the character of or the verse about honoring your father and mother was just drilled into us. There was, it was almost like you were, became fearful if you didn't do exactly what your parents told you to do, even as an adult, mm -hmm. even as, you know, if you were 16, 18, 25, you were s still supposed to honor your parents, even if your parents weren't Christian, like mm -hmm. you were supposed to get their blessing and follow what they said, because God works through authority. And, you know, some of this is based upon some biblical truth. Right. But it's taken way out of context. And so I feel like that in and of itself, this cheerful, immediate obedience, like it's just all about the results. It's all about, you know, from the time your child is three or four months old, you start training them to obey you immediately without questioning. Mm-hmm. The problem with that is that you're basically raising robots. Like they just stuff down all their feelings and have no voice and do exactly what they're told with a cheerful attitude, whether they feel like it or not. And, you know, on the one hand, you're like, well, we should obey God. And there's a verse that talks about children obey your parents. Yes, that verse is actually directed to children, though, not to parents to lord over their children. And there's also the verse that talks about fathers not provoking your children to wrath and bringing them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And so, you know, as I think of the way that my heavenly father interacts with me and his heart for me, that's the kind of heart I want to have for my kids. I don't want to just be demanding cheerful, immediate obedience, even if they don't feel cheerful. <laughs> like I, I want mm -hmm. to know what's going on in their hearts. But I think that when you've been raised that you just say, yes, ma'am, yes, sir. You do what you're told. You put a smile on your face, whether you feel like it or not, and you just do it. You're being raised to be a follower. You're not being raised to be a discerner. You're not being raised to think 
carefully, think biblically, have your own convictions, your own feelings. You're not being raised to have conversations where, you know, as your kids get older, they're going to be in situations where you want them to be able to think and discern and stand up for what's right. Because they might have a boss someday. I think of just this past week, one of our kids had a situation with a boss where there was some inappropriate stuff that was happening. And had that child just felt like, well, they're my authority, so I do what my authority says, that could have put them in a really detrimental, dangerous situation. Now, mm-hmm. I'm it was not a terrible, it was, it was a minor thing, but they were very bothered by it. And so they went to the higher ups and they reported this and had a conversation. And, you know, because I want them to be able to recognize when something isn't right, when something's inappropriate, when they need to get out of a situation, when an authority is making a decision or doing something that crosses a line, they have a voice. Mm-hmm. So I think that cheerful immediate obedience, one, raised people to be followers. I think also we talked about the success piece. Like it was all about kind of this shiny success. Like this is what's going to happen if you follow these principles. This is what your family is going to look like. And Bill Gothard was very good at providing a lot of success stories. Like that was a big thing. Testimonials, big success story for follow these principles and this is going to happen. But it was all about formulaic parenting. Do A, B, C, and D, and then you're going to get... A certain outcome. Yes. And here's the thing. If we have these perfect formulas for raising perfect kids and being perfect families, we don't need Jesus. Like it takes Jesus and the Holy Spirit out of the equation because we've got our little rule book and we just follow our little checklist. We just follow the formula. And so again, that's raising people to just be followers. Like you just want someone to hand you, here's your checklist for being a good parent. And as long as you check all those things off, then you're good. And, you know, that sells. Like, who wouldn't want to raise children who are strong in character? In simplicity, sells. That's right. But it takes Jesus and the gospel out of the equation. And I talked about this on Instagram, that pursuing godliness without the gospel leads to dysfunction and worse. And we've seen that fallout. We've seen that fruit from this culture. And I'm not saying that every single family who was in ATI, who was part of IBLP, was pursuing godliness without the gospel. But I'm saying that the underlying tenets of the principles were, here's how you are godly. But there was no acknowledgement of relying upon the Holy Spirit of seeking God for wisdom. It was just this cookie cutter, here's how you raise a godly family. There was no wiggle room for people to need to really go to God and fall on your face and be like, God, I don't know what to do in this situation. I am really struggling with how to approach my child about this, or I'm really struggling in this. You know, It was just like, no, just 
here's what you do. Here's the rules. And so I, I've seen that one of the big fruits from this is that maybe you start to realize, oh, IBLP, Bill Gothard, ATI, I've got some concerns with this. But you don't really know what to do. And so oftentimes, I think it's just easy to, you either throw the baby completely out with all the bathwater and you're like, okay, forget it. I'm going to swing the pendulum all the way to the other side. And we've seen that. We've seen that a Mm -hmm. lot where a lot of the young people raised in this culture, they don't want to have anything to do with Christianity. But then there's also this other response, which is finding another kind of shiny thing to follow. Mm-hmm. And for me, that was Doug Phillips and Vision Forum. Like it was packaged just a little bit better. Like it wasn't quite so weird. <laughs> it looked a little bit maybe more normal. There weren't as many rules. But still, it was all about the results. In outward appearance. Yeah. Instead of the heart. And again, we've seen the fallout with Doug Phillips and, you know, recognize that what looked, what looked like something wasn't what it was. And there's a lot I could say on that because I had a lot of personal interactions with Doug Phillips, but maybe we will save that for another time. But I just feel like, okay, so what do we do? What do we do with this? And I think watching Shiny Happy People was actually really healing for me in a sense. Mm -hmm. And it gave me some clarity. It was also really helpful to talk to our kids and have a lot of conversations. They had a lot of questions. But then to think of, okay, where am I seeking formulas in my life? Like one of the things I found really interesting is I talked about cheerful immediate obedience on Instagram. And I talked about, you know, just not demanding and controlling and requiring the results, but really focusing on our relationship with our kids. And that it's not about raising kids with no guidelines and guardrails, because I absolutely believe that we need guidelines and guardrails for our kids, but it's about the heart behind it. It's about building relational trust with our kids. It's about loving them and pouring into them and walking with them and not micromanaging them in order to achieve some sort of result, but building relationship in order to really impact their heart and point them to Jesus. But as I talked about that, so many people, I mean, we're talking probably hundreds of people have written me in the last few days saying, okay, but what does that look like? Here's the situation that I have with my eight-year-old or my four-year-old or my 20-year-old. Tell me what to do in this situation because we want a formula. Mm-hmm. We all want a formula. So it's just interesting how even if we're like, absolutely, we don't have anything to do with you know this very legalistic mindset, we're still actually chasing after formulas. Mm-hmm. And so I've just been really challenging myself, looking at all the areas of my life and where am I searching for a formula instead of crying out to Jesus? Where am I wanting a checklist instead of looking to Christ? Where am I looking to someone else, a man, a method, or a ministry, or a woman, or some influencer on Instagram to give me answers 
instead of going to the Word of God, instead of leaning on the Holy Spirit. One thing I did want to say before we close is that, you know, I heard from a lot of people who watched the documentary, and I would say that the people that they interviewed on the documentary were mostly very jaded. Um, I couldn't really tell exactly where they stood, if um, they still believed in God or not. Um, I think that they definitely, there was, you know, an agenda for this documentary, which there always is. It was not put out by a Christian organization. And so I think we have to watch it with that mindset But I will also say that I know so many, many people who are raised in the ATI, IBLP world who feel exactly the same. Mm -hmm. So it's not like they had to look far to find people who were really jaded. I also know that one of the things that I heard from people was that it felt as if they were lumping all homeschoolers and conservatives together. I didn't find that so much. But I could see, especially if you were outside of ATI and IBLP, how you might feel as if that were the case. Um, So I just wanted to mention those two things. But what I am taking away from this is really, okay, God, how do I live my life leaning fully and relying fully upon you? How do I raise our kids looking to Jesus and not to a method and going throughout my day, just really seeking the wisdom of the Holy Spirit because we have God's spirit in us. We don't need a formula. We have God's spirit in us. And as Allie Worthington talks about in her book, Standing Strong, we are supercharged with superhumans, with superpowers because we have God's supernatural spirit in us. And so I just want to challenge every single one of you, whether you've been really hurt by ATI, IBLP, whether you're just curious and so you're listening to this episode, whether you don't want to have anything to do with God, wherever you are, I just want to share from my heart, from what I've learned after 25 years of questioning and processing and healing, that God is good, that my heavenly father loves me so, so much. And that in spite of shortcomings and failures, in spite of baggage from my upbringing, that God has redeemed it for good. And that I can stand here and call out the faithfulness and the goodness of God and that he is enough. I don't need a man, a method, a ministry or formula to walk with him, to love my kids well, to love this life that he's given me, to live this one life, to honor him. And that my honor of him is not because I have to, but because I get to. I honor and respect and pursue the things of God because of how much he loves me. And my hope and my heart is that everyone listening, that you would understand the depths of God's love, no matter how you've been hurt, no matter what you've walked through, that you would understand the depths of God's love. And if you're like, I don't, I don't even know how to get there. I want that, or I don't even want that. I just challenge you every day, 
pray and ask God, heal my heart and show me how much you love me. And then just start looking for him in your everyday life. Continue to pray that over and over and over. And I can tell you, God is the healer. God is the redeemer. And you are so loved by him. So my challenge to you is recognize that, understand that, live out of that, live as loved. And it's going to change every single aspect of your life. Thank you for joining us today. For more great resources, please visit crystalpain.com.